I said, how's everybody doing today? Come on, let me hear you. Amen, amen. Janice has a word, and I'm going to have her share that this morning. Go ahead. Test? Oh, there we go. Um, As soon as I woke up in the morning, I saw this in my mind. It was just total blackness, total blackness. But there were like these scratches coming through it, like that had been um, like just scratched away. And where the scratches were was bright iridescent glow, like, you know, like bright pink or something of a sunrise or like just fluorescent. It was so bright. And I just felt this thing, like this hope and this assurance rising up in me that it, like God was saying, don't give up. The breakthroughs are coming. It's starting. It's happening now. It's starting. Don't give up. And sometimes you might feel like we're just like clawing in the darkness and we don't know. We can't see anything yet, but it's coming. It's starting to break through. It's breaking. So don't give up. Amen. 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 We believe it. We see it. Um, There's been multiple prophetic words over this church and over this house. And we believe that breakthrough is coming. We believe that we are on the edge of revival. We believe that it's coming. We believe that it's here. We believe that we are stepping into it. Uh, Just last Sunday, uh, I I was supposed to preach this message last Sunday, but Holy Spirit interrupted and said, hey, do something different. And so we did. And so this is why I'm here today. And so all of that to be said that God's doing stuff. Um, If you were here last week, we read through the list of testimonies of the healings that we've seen. And we saw more last Sunday. Uh, Knees were healed last Sunday. Hands were healed last week. And so the healings continue to move and continue to flow. God continues to do what he wants to do in this house. And we're welcoming him and we're we're allowing him. And and, and what he wants to do is the most important thing that we're going to do. Uh, What he wants to do is what we're going to do. So uh, today I want to wrap up this sermon series Um, engage series. This is our vision series. Engage God, engage church, engage culture. That's what we're here to do. Number one, come on, amen. The number one thing that we're we're here to do is to engage God. We connect with God on a deep and an intimate level. The relationship that we have with him, that is our first priority. When When they asked Jesus and said, which is the greatest commandment? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. This is the first and great commandment. What's our first priority? Jesus spelled it out. Love God. And that's our vision here. Engage God. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Engage church. Engage church. It's right there. And thirdly, after we've engaged God, after we've engaged church, two minutes later, we engage culture. We don't wait until we're perfect. Jesus didn't wait until the disciples were perfect before he sent them out. In our weakness and in our failures, God's strength is made perfect. And so if you can't do it, you're the perfect candidate. You're the one that Jesus wants. If you can do it, I don't know. (laughs) But if you can't do it, that's fine. And so what are we here to do? We're here to, I ask this question all the time. I pray through this question all the time. What am I here for? What am I here for? What am I here for? Why hasn't God taken me to heaven? That's really where I want to be. 
Why? Because I'm supposed to be engaging culture. I'm supposed to be your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in the heaven. And I'm the one, you're the one, we're the ones that help to get to bring that to be here. We go and we gather up the kingdom of heaven and we bring it and we disperse it everywhere we walk. As we walk through the grocery market, peace. As we walk through the grocery market, joy. As we walk through the grocery market, love. As we walk through the grocery market, we just affect everyone around us, infect everyone around us with the love of God. You're contagious, you know. Be contagious in a good way. Come on. Love is contagious. Smiling is contagious. Happiness is contagious. Joy is contagious. <laughs> so just go start giving it out. And the beauty of it is, and I've discovered this, the more I give out, the more God gives me. There's a backfilling to this process. I can't give it away quick enough. There's, at, no, at no point do I ever give joy away to somebody else and I'm like, oh, I'm out of joy. That's not the way it works. That's absolutely not the way it works. As a matter of fact, every time I give joy away, I get double in my account. And so if you want to get joy, if you want to get peace, if you want to get love, just learn to start giving it away. And because this is the kingdom that we live in. If you want to get more of something, you give away what you have. That's kingdom. That's kingdom. This is kingdom thinking. Jesus said this. The world says, if I want more, then I have to hold on tightly to what I have and not let anybody take it. But Jesus said, no, it works differently in the kingdom. If you want more, you have to give it away. Give away what you have and you'll have more of it. Come on. Come on. Wow, 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 wow. Oh, boy. Hey, um, I want to let you all know that uh, we've been doing our kingdom builders, right? You didn't hear that today because we ended that last Sunday. I want to let you know, um, as of Monday, week of the fast, we weren't close. Our goal was 15,000. Somebody had asked me, and I said, yeah, we're doing pretty good. And then, uh, and then I went in, and I looked at the sheet, and I was like, we're not close. The goal was 15. We were at nine. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> you want to talk about like, I don't know. But uh, we have exceeded our goal. I don't have exceeded our goal. I don't have an exact number, but I know that we're over $16,000. We set a goal for, for 15. As of Monday, six days before the conclusion, we were at nine. And I know we're over 16. I don't know. It could go 17. It could go even higher. But glory to God. Amen? Amen. All of you guys, you guys, are, give yourselves a hand. Uh, Kingdom Builders, uh, we believe in uh, the vision of this church. You guys believe in the vision of this church. And this is why uh, we, never, we never, ever, ever beg you guys for money because you are just so, 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 so stinking generous. And um, we believe, we all believe in, in the vision that God has set here we believe that revival is coming to Troy, and we believe that redeeming love is part of the vision of bringing revival to Troy. Amen? Amen. People in this church, Linda in this church, who's been praying for the city of Troy for 40-plus years. Has it been 50 years? It may have been. Linda's been praying for the city for how long? Not 50 yet, she says. Come on. It's almost the year of Jubilee, 49, right? Come on. 
Come on. Oh, man. Hey, I want to talk to you today about our need, our responsibility. It's every believer's responsibility, all of us, every single one of us, whether you've been saved for a second, whether you get saved right now or at the end of the service today, or whether you've been saved for, you know, ever, like Methuselah, right? Your job, my job, all of our job, it's the same thing. It's to engage culture. It's to go out these doors and to connect with the the culture around us and allow the culture of heaven, the culture of the kingdom to affect the world that we live in. That's our job. That's our responsibility as long as God gives me breath on this earth. That's your job. That's your responsibility. That's your privilege. It's, It's our privilege. As long as you have breath here upon the earth, we're to go out, we're to, we're to connect with culture. You can't, you can't influence culture if you're disconnected. How many of you know you can only have influence where there's connection? All right, let's jump into scripture here. Acts 1, 1 through, we're going to read, uh, I think, through 8 or 9. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to both do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the, to the apostles whom he had chosen to whom he had also presented himself alive after his suffering by, suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking to them of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he had said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him and said, Lord, at this time, will you restore the kingdom of Israel? And so you have to pay attention here. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples, and we can't blame them, he's he's been talking to them about the kingdom of God now for 40 days after his resurrection. He's been talking to them for 40 days about the kingdom. And he keeps talking to them about the kingdom. And he keeps telling them about the kingdom. And he keeps presenting them about the kingdom. But he's talking about the kingdom of God. And they make the mistake of talking about the kingdom of Israel. They keep bringing it back to this natural kingdom. Jesus said to Pilate, he said, my kingdom is not from here. If my kingdom were from here, my servants would fight for me. But but now my kingdom is not from here. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. Jesus is talking about a supernatural kingdom. It's the kingdom that we're called to live in. Jesus said, when he first went out and began to preach, he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here. You can have as much as you want. You can have as much as you are willing to press into. It's here. It's at hand. I have water at hand, but I'm awfully thirsty. The water is not affecting my thirst because I am not partaking. It doesn't do us any good to have the kingdom of hand, the kingdom of heaven at hand if we're not willing and ready to partake of it. We have to partake of it. We have to, as the as the Bible says, we have to press into it. We have to make a concerted effort on our part to actively enter into and live from the kingdom of heaven. 
verse 7. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put into his own authority. So he's, he's dismissing their thoughts about the kingdom of Israel. But then he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses. God wants to give power. God's been dealing out. He's been dishing out power here in this church. We read through the list of testimonies last week. Knees healed, hearts healed, all these things. This is just the beginning of what God wants to do. This is just the very beginning of what God wants to do. In the next chapter which begins whenever you're ready, it goes outside these four walls. It goes outside that door. And it's in the marketplace, and it's in the hospitals, and it's in the cafes, and it's in every place that you go that God wants to pour out the power of the Holy Spirit on anyone who's willing, on anyone who's able, as a sign and a witness and a testimony to the gospel that they're to bring. This is one of the main purposes of the power of the Holy Spirit. This is one of the main reasons that God does miracles. He suspends the supernatural to support the gospel. I got a testimony. I get testimonies all the time, and, and um, I, share, I share testimonies, and I share what God's doing here in this church with a lot of other pastors, and, and they're encouraged. And I got a testimony this week of another from a young man um, who flows in, in, in a bunch of different gifts, but he's never had healing before. And so I've told him different testimonies over the years, you know, that we, over the time that we've known one another. And so he texted me early the other morning, and he said, I have a testimony. And it was this long text. And you know how sometimes you get those texts that are like pages long? This is one of those. And he says, I have this testimony. I love testimonies. Listen, it, 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 I love I love testimonies. Testimonies are about the goodness of God. It's what God did. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when we testify about what Jesus has done, we're prophesying about what he's going to do. So he sends me this text, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll try to, like, condense the whole thing. His wife was going out the front door. It was icy that morning, and he, she fell, and she broke her elbow. So they went to Ortho, New York, to get x-rays, and because now he, it's, it's very real, the injury's very real, pain's very real in his life. He's sitting in the waiting room with his wife, and he's talking to the Lord. And he says, Lord, is there, is there somebody here that you want to heal? Is there somebody here that you want to heal? And he just keeps asking the Lord, Lord, is there somebody here that you want to heal? Is there somebody here that you want to heal? And a woman came in, and she sat down not far from where he was, and she was on the phone, and she was telling her injury to someone on the phone, and he, he overheard the conversation a little bit, and he said, Lord, do you want to heal that person? And the Lord said, yes. And then he said, Lord, do you want to use me? Note the humility. And the Lord said, if you're willing. And so he got up to go and, and pray for her, and as he gets up, the Lord orchestrated it that she was trying to get up at the same time, so he was able to help her up. So he was able to help, right? He's doing this helps gift, and then he says, um, I forget how exactly he went, but he said, can I pray for you? And so the Lord, she said, yeah. And so he prayed. Her arm was immobile for four days. She couldn't move her arm for four days because of the pain. Within seconds, 
she was able to move her arm completely and God healed her. And so he had a little bit more of a conversation with her and she, she grew up Christian, but she's been away from the Lord for a long time. And she prayed, she had been asking the Lord, Lord, if, if, you, if you're real and you want me to come back to you, then, then give me a sign. Well, God gave her a sign. God healed her arm. It was immobile in pain. This is what the Lord wants to do. It may seem small to you or I. It may not seem like a big deal, but try not moving your arm for four days. Try and do your regular routine, not moving your arm for four days. It was a big deal for her that God chose to heal her. She asked, she says, where do you go to church? What do you believe? How can I get involved in this? So suddenly, this woman who had been away from the Lord for so long was suddenly brought back into this relationship with God. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that backs up the gospel, that backs up God himself, and it draws people onto himself. It's God who does it. And we just need to be willing vessels. Before you go into the store, before you go into the cafe, before you go into anywhere as you go, stop for a minute and pray in your car and say, Holy Spirit, is there someone in this room? Is there someone in this restaurant? Is there someone in this place that you want me to talk to while I'm in there? God, is there somebody that you'll have me pray for? It could start anywhere. I've given you testimonies and testimonies before about my praying for other people. And, you know, sometimes, like Zach's testimony from a few weeks back, sometimes we sow seed for years. Sometimes we sow seed for seven years and we see nothing. But those seeds go in and they're working and we don't even know they're working and we don't even know they're working. And then one Christmas morning, when that person's at the low of their low, they, they remember the words that were spoken. The words that were spoken come back in a flash and they cry out to God and they give their heart to the Lord and lives are changed. And we're called to enter into this process with Jesus. We have the privilege to enter into the process with Jesus. Jesus came to destroy the works of the evil one. Acts tells us Jesus came, went, went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, destroying the works of the evil one. This is what Jesus came to do. And then he said, okay, tag, you're it. I'm out of here, guys. See ya. Now it's your job to go around doing good and heal all of those who are oppressed of the evil one. This is just our job. This is what he left us with. And while we're doing that, we tell of the goodness of God, we tell of the riches of the kingdom, and we invite people into relationship with God. This is what it's all about. In the garden, God put Adam and Eve there, and then God would come, and he would walk in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. It's about relationship. He just wants relationship. And then there was sin. Sin entered. And so God, you, know, you guys know the story. God kills the lamb. He gives them clothes, and then he kicks them out of the garden, puts a flaming arrow, and says, they can't come back in, or else they'll leap from the tree of eternal life, and that won't work. So they're out. And then we're, there's separation. Jesus came, 
And he fixed all of that. He paid the ultimate price. And he restored right relationship between us and God. And now we carry that message. It's the message that we believe. It's the message that we live. And we have that message to bring to others. Jesus said, this is the most important message that the world will ever hear. And I'm done talking. And so now you guys go out and tell them what I told you. Go, go, go. To the ends of the earth. But let's start with Troy. Let's just start with the cafe down the street. Let's just start with our neighbor. Let's just start with our family. Let's just start with our friends. Well, let's start with every stranger we run into too. Because that's who, we're to, that's who we're to talk with. Even our enemies. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's their hometown. In Judea, that's the overarching area that they were in. In Samaria, those were the people that they didn't really like very much. You know those people down the street that you don't like? Yeah, they're included here. And to the ends of the earth. And everybody else on the planet. Simple. Yet impossible. We can't do it on our own. But Jesus said, go into all of the world, make disciples of all nations, and lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. One of the great things about God is that when he gives us an impossible task, the promise that comes with it is his presence. Glory to God, sign me up. Sign me up for some more impossible missions. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Matthew 6. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. That's our prayer. That's our vision. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If it doesn't exist in heaven, I don't want it to exist in my life. Worry doesn't exist in heaven, I don't want it to exist in my life. Stress doesn't exist in heaven, I don't want it to exist in my life. Sickness doesn't exist in heaven, I don't want it to exist here. No more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more sadness. It's not there, it doesn't belong here. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us and lead us not into temptation. But deliver us for the, from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Couple scriptures on the kingdom. The kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. The word pressing there is a, is a it's not just like, oh, you know, well, I, this is good. We'll, we'll go to church today. No, it's a, it's a, it's a solid determination. It's an act of perseverance. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a violent act. If you, if you look at the word there in Greek, it's the same word that says rend the heavens. There's this violent act. And so we need to continually press into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. There is an act of of, of, of We've just got to be active in this. It's not just this passive thing that we just decide to enter in and then we're in. We have to actively press into it. The kingdom of God is not in word but in power. It's, it's fine to talk and it's good to talk and we should talk and we should tell everyone about Jesus. But follow it up and pray for them. See what God will do. The moment you start to pray for someone, 
all bets are off. God will do anything. Holy Spirit shows up, fills them, heals them, touches them, sets a fire in them. All of a sudden, they get hot and start sweating. They're like, what's going on? That's God. God wants to back up his word. So get out there and start talking about God, but it's not in word, it's in power. Pray for somebody and believe that the power is going to be there because it is. The kingdom of God is within you. Luke 17, 21. The kingdom of God is on the inside of us. And what we need to do is when we go out into the coffee shops and the grocery markets is we need to learn how to just let the kingdom of God out. And it's not all that, you know, it's not this complicated process. It's not always praying for people. Sometimes it's just smiling. Sometimes it's just joy. When I go into a grocery market or any place where I don't know everybody, my, my first goal is to get everybody to smile and to laugh. <laughs> and I'm doing a pretty good job. I don't know. I don't think I'm that funny looking, but people start to smile and enjoy themselves. And I'm not even making jokes. It's just like, you know, I'm smiling and I'm happy and I'm sharing with them and it rubs off. People want to be happy. They want to be joyful. And so if you give them opportunity to, if you tell them that you're okay with them being happy, they're going to they're gonna cheer up. We went into uh, this store in Clifton Park. I forget what we were even in there buying. And um, we, we asked for something, and, and this kid was pretty new from what I could tell. And... Um, he had long hair with, with no bangs, right? So you know what that means. It's long, and so the whole thing's long. And so he stood like this, and the hair coat kind of covered his face. And he had this sullen, depressed look about him. And we just started having conversation. And we were just started being interested in him. And we, my wife and I were there together, and we just started to say, like, are you in high school? And he was like, yeah. And then we're like, have you applied for college? What are you looking at going into? And all of a sudden, uh, like, you just flipped a switch. His, his countenance changed. He flipped his hair back. He smiled a little bit. You saw his face. And he was happy that someone just showed interest in him. And so we're having this conversation with him as the manager walks up. The manager comes up. She takes care of whatever it was that we were asking you know, that he, he didn't know whatever it was how to do. And then, thank you very much. And we go to leave. And lo and behold, the manager says to the kid as we're walking away, oh, so you're, you're going to college? Like, you're applying? Like, they hadn't had this conversation. They work together. And so, I don't know. We were there to maybe just open up a door of communication between these two coworkers that hadn't been communicating yet. Now, I think that he was probably fairly new. I'm not... But, come on. Sometimes people just want to know that we're interested in them. We care for them. And it can be so simple about just having a conversation with someone. It's not that difficult. The kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking, but in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul's talking about this in the context of like, you know, people were arguing over, you can eat this, you can't eat that, you eat this, you can't eat that, keep this, can't eat this, can't eat this, can't eat this. And he says, listen, the kingdom of God is not in about what you matter, about what you eat or what you drink, but the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And so what we know is that righteousness, peace, and joy 
are evidence of the, of the kingdom within us. Righteousness, peace, and joy are expressions of the kingdom. And so when we live in joy, when joy is the predominant thing that you see, that's evidence that the kingdom, that's an expression of the kingdom. When peace is something that you just see in somebody, that person just walks in peace. That's evidence, that's the expression of the kingdom just coming out of them. Righteousness, peace, and joy are expressions of the kingdom. When we're living from the kingdom, we should have all of these things. If we're living supposedly from the kingdom because we have Jesus and we don't have righteousness, peace, and joy, we need to go and spend a little bit more time with Jesus. We need to go and spend a little bit more time with the Holy Spirit. We need to take and get a little bit more of the Bible on the inside of us, and we need to believe it a little bit more. Sometimes we read it because we believe it, and sometimes we read it until we believe it. The word of God is true. Matthew 28. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all of the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go and make disciples. This is what we believe here at Redeeming Love. We believe in making disciples. I don't want somebody to just pray a prayer, although that's the beginning what I want to see is I want to see people say yes to Jesus and then align themselves with someone, grab a hold of someone, and say, hey, teach me how you follow Jesus. That's discipleship in its rawest form. Just grab a hold of someone that's older than you in the Lord. They don't have to be older than you physically. And just ask them and say, hey, how do you follow Jesus? How does this following Jesus look like in your life? What does it look like? How do I do it? How do I do it well? That's discipleship. Now, we have processes. Discipleship happens best in the context of engaged groups. Engaged groups are going to launch. We'll have sign-ups next week. They will launch the week of February 5th. So uh, get ready. Get ready to set a night aside one night a week and go to an engaged group. You go to that engaged group. Uh, I believe we're going to do foundations again if you haven't been through foundations. Get into that engaged group. Find out what you believe. And it's in those times, in these engaged groups, where we have conversation. It's not a Sunday morning where it's just a one-way street. Engaged groups are a two-way conversation. We talk to you, the, the engaged group leaders, and you talk to us. You ask us questions, and we give you answers. There is never been, there is not a better format for discipleship than engaged groups. It's what Jesus did with his 12 disciples. How can we improve on what Jesus did? We can't. We can't. And so we still use the same model. The model that you see here this morning, this is the Greek model. I talk, you listen. The the model of engaged groups, it's the Hebrew model. We all sit around, we all open up our Bibles, and we say, the word says... What does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? How do I live this out? And we ask these questions and we talk about what it looks like. That's the essence of engaged groups. That's the essence of discipleship. Discipleship happens best in the context of engaged groups. Because you're going to say, listen, I work with, you know, the worst of the worst of the worst. So how does that apply to me? Well, listen, nobody worked with the worst of the worst of the worst more than Daniel. 
Daniel had it. He worked with all the magicians, the soothsayers, the fortune tellers. These guys are all doing what they're doing with demonic powers, and Daniel worked with them. So if you think you work with the devil, you're in good company. That's okay. God prepares a table in the midst of your enemies. There's no excuse. If you're going to have a, if you're going to eat at the table Psalm 20 Psalm 23 he prepares a table before me in the midst of my enemies or is it Psalm 27 If you're going to eat at that table in the midst of your enemies you have to have some We think we want to <laughs> we want Psalm 23 uh, Lord, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, lead me beside still water. We want Psalm 23. We want this, the, the still waters and the green pastures, but we don't want to eat at the table in front of our enemies. Yep, yep. Yep. <laughs> oh my goodness. Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, teaching them to observe all the things, and, and I am with you all. Always. We already covered this. Jesus is with us. Are you kidding me? What, what, what can I not do? I don't know. Haven't figured it out yet. He said, if I have faith as of a mustard seed, I could say to that mountain, be cast into the sea, and it'll obey me. I need mustard seed faith. Let's go. Mark 16, 15 through 18. And he said to them, go into all of the word, preach the gospel to every creature, and he who believes... And his baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. Is there anybody in this room that believes in Jesus? Anybody? Is there anybody? I think it's everybody. These signs will follow. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. I don't do this just haphazardly. They, if they drink anything dead, don't go out looking for snakes to pick up. That's not what he's saying. Good God, every time I read this scripture, I have to throw in that caveat. You think, you think Mark would have wrote it just a little bit different. It, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I believe. I lay hands and we see sick people recover. But it's not just me. It's you. And it's you, and it's you, and it's you, and it's all of us. Do you believe? Who here believes? We all believe. And so it's for all of you. It's not just for me. If it was just for me, it would say, Pastor Matt will lay hands on the sick and, and they will recover. But that's not what it says. I mean, I haven't found a translation with that in it yet. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't even just say that the elders will do it. The pastors will do it. The prof, it doesn't say any of that. It says, those who believe. Do you believe? Yeah, it's for you. These promises are for you. Matt, John 17, 20 through 23. Jesus prayed and said, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's me. I believe in Jesus through the word of the apostles. That they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave to me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfect, 
in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you love me. I love this whole passage through John. It's five or six chapters long. The Gospel of John is 22 chapters in its entirety, and John devotes six, it's either six or seven chapters, to the conversation that Jesus has at the Last Supper. Yeah, it's pretty profound. This is a pretty important stuff. But this is Jesus' prayer. He says, I pray that they would be one in the same way that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are one. That's a heck of an invitation. It, it, is anybody ready for that? I don't know that I'm ready for that. That's a heck of an invitation. Jesus is asking that we would be one with the Father, that we would be one with the Spirit, and that we would be one with him. He, he, it's really about this relationship. He, it's this drawing into this relationship. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. God doesn't give his power. God doesn't give the power of the Holy Spirit aside from relationship because we can't be trusted with it. Who can know the heart of a man is deceitfully wicked, right? We wouldn't even know our own heart. If God gave me all of the power and departed from the relationship, suddenly I'd start taking the power of the Holy Spirit, and I'd start doing what I want to do aside from the will of God. Jesus himself said, I only do the things I see the Father do. I only say the things that I hear the Father say. And so Jesus, in his humanity, only did what he could do in communion with God. If Jesus, when Jesus came and he walked on the earth, he took his divinity and he, he, he didn't use his divinity the whole time. He was fully God fully man. And he took his God and he put it behind his back and he never used it. He only lived as a human in right relationship with God. If Jesus did all the miracles as God, they're amazing and I'm impressed. But because Jesus did all of the miracles as a man fully in communion with God, I'm invited into the process to do every single, every single thing that he did. He said, you will do every work that I do and even greater works will you do. And we do it through relationship. We do it because we're wholly connected. And so when we go out these doors, the connection doesn't stop. Our relationship with God isn't just 30 minutes in the morning when we get up to pray. Our relationship with the Holy Spirit, our relationship with God continues throughout the day. When we're sitting in that waiting room with our wife with the broken elbow, we should be talking to God and saying, God, is there anything that you want to do here? When we're sitting, when we're getting ready to go grocery shopping, rather than just making a grocery list, like... Put, put on your grocery list, eggs. Wow, that's expensive. Pray. Pray. Put prayer on your grocery list. Peas. Look for someone who needs the Holy Spirit. Bacon. Look for someone that God wants to heal. Hamburgers. Look again with your spiritual eyes. Write this stuff down on your grocery list if you have to. Like remind yourself somehow that God wants to do something. All this week, uh, early, since early in the week, I've really felt this, um, the presence of the Holy Spirit very strongly, um, just, you know, over, over me. And there's a term that was used um, back, in the, back in the days of renewal. There's this term and it's still, like if I throw it out there, some of you probably know, the Holy Spirit is brooding over us. 
who of you have heard that term before? Right? I've heard the term, and I get, like, I kind of get the idea, except that I've never had chickens before now, and I didn't understand the term brooding until I had chickens, right? So you feel this weight and this presence of the Holy Spirit over you. And we'll say, this is very common in Christian circles, if you've never heard the term before, that's fine. But people will say, the Holy Spirit's brooding over us. A chicken will sit on the eggs in order to hatch them, and that process is called brooding, right? They sit on them. And what are they doing? They're not just like, this is a comfortable place to sit. They're not like, oh, this will be fun. The farmer can't get the eggs. They're sitting on the eggs with very intended purpose. They're trying to hatch them. They're trying to hatch them. They're, 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 they shuffle down on them and they sit on them and the heat of their body warms the eggs because they are intending to hatch the eggs. And so when we say that the Holy Spirit is brooding over us, as I felt like he has been this week, what we're saying is that the Holy Spirit is coming and he's resting strongly upon us because there's something that he's looking to hatch in our lives. But we have to be listening and we have to be aware. We need to tune in our ears to listen to what the Holy Spirit wants to say. We need to open our eyes and begin to look with spiritual eyes about what God wants to do. In any given situation, at any given moment in time, are we listening and are we ready for what the Holy Spirit wants to do? In a moment's notice, at the drop of a hat, we need to be ready to move with the Holy Spirit. This is how, this is how the gospel goes forth. This is how we're able to do what God's called us to do, by always being ready, always being ready. We need to live constantly ready to move with the Holy Spirit because we never know when an opportunity might present itself. I keep talking about this relationship, this relationship with God, and we talked uh, previously about, you know, being a believer. I think we're all believers here today. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus into your heart, I want to give you an opportunity. And so if that's you today, you've never accepted Jesus in your heart, you've never prayed that prayer, I just want you to slip up your hand. I think that we're all in the family of God here, but in case there's a moment, in case there's somebody who doesn't know Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. Is that you? Just slip up your hand for me. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Anyone? Amen. Hey, on your engage card, I think I have mine here somewhere. That's not it. There it is. On your engage card on the back, it says, this week I will... Bring the kingdom. One of our mandates, as we seek to engage culture, one of our mandates is to bring the kingdom. We need to engage with God in such a way that we're filled with the kingdom so that when we go out into culture, we bring the kingdom with us and we're able to dispense it everywhere as we go. This is our job. This is our mission. This is our mandate. Second thing is, this week I will move with compassion. I want to tell you, please, 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 when you go out, when you share, be compassionate. Be compassionate. People don't need to know what they're doing wrong. They actually already know. They don't need to know what they're doing wrong. They actually already know. And us being a Christian, simply walking into the room, brings condemnation on them. 
because they see the righteousness in us and they're suddenly convicted except they feel it as condemnation because they have no salvation. And so we don't need to bring a message, hey, you're living in sin. They already know. They'll ask us about sin. Hey, what do you think about this sin? What do you think about that sin? (laughs) Why are they asking us? They're testing us. But this is why there's uncomfortability. This is why uh, we are persecuted. This is why other religious groups were persecuted because there's a conviction, there's a condemnation that comes through us just living rightly. And they don't need to know that they're in sin. They already know. They don't need us to tell them that. What they need to know is that God loves them and that God made a way for them and that they don't have to live like that anymore. There is a way out. There is a way out, and his name is Jesus. And so if we move with compassion, you catch more flies with honey than you do vinegar, right? Come on. Let's just, uh, if you could just stand to your feet, I want to pray, and then we'll have Allison come and receive the offering today. Father, I pray for every person here today, Lord. God, we pr- I pray right now that you would download more of your kingdom into our hearts God, that uh, through the preaching of the word, through the worship this morning, God, through your presence being here, God, we just pray for more of your kingdom. God, I pray for every person here that we would seek after your kingdom, that we would seek first the kingdom of God, and Lord, that you would add everything else onto us, and that, Lord, you would fill us to overflowing with your kingdom. God, that when we go out into the, the marketplace, the grocery store, the coffee shop, wherever it is we find ourselves, Lord, at work, that you would just, that we would learn to just release the kingdom, that we would learn to release the kingdom so that your glory would come, that your will would be done on the earth as it is in heaven, we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Allison, if you come and receive the offering this morning.